This is the EWN Radio Network. This is Close Up with Phyllis Smith. And welcome, welcome. Yes, this is Phyllis Smith with Close Up. And uh, anyone, look, anyone can hang a shingle and call themselves an entrepreneur. But we all know there's a whole lot more to it. And in this day and age, the competition is not just the store up the street. Now, every business is a global business given access to the Internet. So with all of the outlets to be successful in business, there is still one very important element that should never be overlooked. And that's good old-fashioned, one-on-one, face-to-face networking. So joining us today is an entrepreneur and premier networker as the uh, an executive managing director of eWomen Network's Charlotte chapter and, excuse me, but the 2010 managing director of the year as well. As uh, the managing director, she runs monthly networking events, and that and she organizes. And uh, please welcome Lori Dvorak. She is the creme de la creme of networking. So, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Phyllis. I haven't been creme de la creme. I don't know if I ever have been. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> well, yes, you are. You are for us for sure. So, um, you know, we are going to be going into, uh, you know, just let's just say the big picture of networking. How, in your opinion, how important is networking to uh, the entrepreneur? Well, to me, it is key, but you really have to understand that it's based on relationship building. Uh, the networking is just one aspect to get to those relationships. Because if I get to know you, Phyllis, and the more we get to know each other, we trust each other, I'm probably going to refer business to you and you're going to refer business to me. But if I just send you an email, you have no reason to just connect with me. So uh, everything is about that relationship to build, and that's the way we run it in our eWomen Network groups as well. Yeah, um, and eWomen Network, obviously, that's that's uh, at at its core of the company is networking, and it's as you say, relationship networking. And we're going to dive deep into that coming up in a little bit. Um, so, but first, I want to just learn a little bit more about you. What what makes you the creme de la creme, the queen of networking, so to speak? Um, so, let's learn a little bit about you. You have a business called Envision Four. Um, and that's Envision with an I. Um, tell us about uh, your company what, and what you do uh, first and, and essentially also how you got to become a business owner because you weren't always. You were in the corporate world at one time, right? Uh, yes, in, uh, in a variety of different uh, roles, actually. Uh, my own business, I have to say, it's probably the epitome of my happiness right now. It's where I really want to be and need to be. Uh, there's nothing like running your own business. It's crazy, but it's it's also wonderful. <laughs> and when I came up with Envision for the I uh, instead of the E for Envision was supposed to help people get in to their vision. Because I always start working with people, whether it's through training or coaching or the masterminds I do. Uh, it's all about starting with that end in mind. Where is that point down on the horizon where uh, you know you can, you can see? barely, barely down there, and uh, I have to get you into your vision right now so that we can reach that spot. 
So I went with Envision, and the four stands for really anything I want it to be. It could be the four areas of my business. It could be four um, areas that I want to work with you. So it gave me a little bit of flexibility for producing products and services. So I had a little fun with it. But I've had it for this name about 13 years. Before that, I was um, actually a high school teacher, if you can believe that, in business. And I did that for about, uh, oh, too many years, let's put it that way, but really a lot of fun. I learned a lot of things about business just by teaching it. And then I was college teacher, and I also ran a small uh, business college. So through all that, uh, I, I really feel that the relationships were core with everything I've always done. So it wasn't going to change when I started my own business. I, I say that I uh, reach people one person at a time. So how does your, your your teaching has to play in and be a part of the of your networking um, and how you even handle uh, your eWomen Network monthly events? Um, I mean, I know you, and I know you're just there is you're a teacher. I mean, you love love to you, te- you love to teach you you. It's almost like you thrive on it. So. Um, what you know? What, what what would be some of those components, like the teaching components that you might bring in, and in terms of helping people network uh, and network in the right way? Well, again, I, I have to set a platform whenever I'm in front of a group, whether I'm training them or I'm in front of an eWomen Network event, and people are there and excited to be there, and if they're not guided. And if they're not um, helped and there isn't structure to the event, uh, everybody's going to be milling around trying to meet people and it's not going to happen. So I love the structure of our eWomen Network events and it fits very well for me as as a trainer and and a former teacher that, uh, you know, we we do our networking circles and we do this and then we do that. And you hope that when people leave, they feel like they've gained not only knowledge from other people but great connections because they were guided and um, I'm an excellent facilitator, so it's, it's what I do. When I work my mastermind groups, I work with uh, circles of women, and I facilitate. I facilitate to help them to reach a million-dollar business. So it's uh, it's been a skill that uh, when I started teaching right out of college, I didn't think it was going to be the basis for everything that I do. But I think that's true for all of us. We just have to hold on to those basic principles that uh, make us the people who we are. Um, and yeah, exactly. And and you you do such a, a great job. Um, let me ask you in terms of um, networking, it's very different at an E Women Network event. Not all of our listeners are e- members of E Women Network, nor have they ever attended an event. And so there, there we call them accelerated networking events. So. The basic principle behind the networking is relationship networking, right? So uh-huh. um, can you just, just overall give us an idea of, of what does that mean exactly? Because this is not about passing out, passing out business cards. No, not at all. It's really um, what I try to explain to people. We, we always, uh, I look at maybe like two approaches to where you even introduce yourself. There's the linear approach. It's just me to you, Phyllis. Hi, my name is Lori Dvorak. This is my company. This is what I do, and I hand you my card. That, to me, is very linear. It just goes straight out there. What I like is more of a circular approach where I am going to ask questions with my introduction or 
make a curiosity about what I'm talking about, either in the people that I've helped through my business, so that you're going to come back and say, gee, how did you do that? So it's going to wind back back to me, so we end up with like a circular networking going on, and it's a, a very different approach that I like to encourage people to do. Dig a little deeper, get to know the person a little bit better, and when we talk about it at the E-Women Network events, the Accelerated, it was kind of funny because when I first started um, a direct, I've been a director over seven years, can't believe it, but uh, wow. loving every minute of it. But mm-hmm. um, we started out, uh, Charlotte is very big on NASCAR, so we started out at the, um, the Speedway Club. And you could hear in the background Jimmy Johnson and some of these other, you know, race car drivers driving around. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, let's accelerate, <laughs> just like, you know, the race car drivers. And you hear them going, zoom, zoom. So, you know, it was really cool to just say, okay, ready, start. And you just build that energy, and they got one minute to, to get in there. And I have them all standing when they network. I mean, they, they don't sit down. You know, we're standing right at the beginning of the event. I said, get on the tips of your toes. Reach out to the person in that circle. And you listen closely and see how you can help each other. So the acceleration is there, but the person who facilitates the event really has to build that excitement into it. It's not a passive activity. I tell them, you know, I gear them up for this. I say, okay, you only got one minute ready, and you go. And this is what Mm -hmm. happens. So I really play off of that acceleration because it's what brands us over probably any other networking group that's out there. That's what eWomen Network does. Well, which also, it's interesting, I just, I read an article today, and it was actually talking about, on your website, how to build a good about page, and one of the things is that is the about page is never about you, it's about your customer, what you can do for your mm-hmm. customer. So, mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, networking is, you know, and that's what marketing is, right? That's what being in business mm-hmm. is, it's always about your customer, it's not about you, it's about how you're going to serve so networking actually fits into that big picture, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's got to be. But it's, it's something that we don't learn, though. You know, nobody really teaches us. There's no really networking 101. And I, I really feel that you have to figure it out for yourself. And, um, I mean, I can explain what networking is to me if you want me to go in there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, see, I, I like to think of the net in networking is the key. And if you work your net of connections, that's how you're going to build great networking for yourself. So I, I like to use a visual. I have another visual that I want to share with you about what guided me to even do this in the first place, so I can share that with you in a little bit. But the visual I like is, is like a fishing net or a volleyball net. You know, when it's all rolled up, it's just, it's just there. It's like a blob, but it's very, you know, just pliable. And what do you do with it? But as soon as you open it up and you have a fishing net, I mean, you you, you see how you can capture fish. You have a mm-hmm. volleyball net. You can see how you can play the game. But the nets are the same. No matter what kind of net you're using, they're all intertwined, and they are little squares that are all connected. Well, if you look at the true way to work your net, you've got to stay connected with all of the people on those squares. And this takes time, and it takes energy, but I figure that the square that's closest to me are probably within my net of influence, as I might call it. And these would be my core people in my, near my square. Then as I branch out and further into the net, I might be building and reaching out towards new adventures and new contacts. But mm. whenever you say networking, you've got to work the net. You've got to be mm. in tune and in touch with the people who are in that net. And 
so that visual, when I even explain it to people, they said, oh, I never looked at it that way. I just figure I come to a group thing and just say what I do. And it's very different when you think about the net is really going to hold hold things together and it's going to build your business. It's going to be a network net that's going to hold it together. How do you decide who to network with? I mean, you, you're going to, we could, people could be in an event, you can have a sea of, you know, 100 people at, at an eWomen Network event, for example, but not all 100 people are, are going to be someone that would necessarily be in your net. How do you determine that? Well, it's interesting because you really don't know how to determine that. And, and this is where I think the fun begins with networking. Uh, the way I present it is I said, you know, you're standing in a circle of six, six to eight women, and everybody gets one minute to give their introduction. So as they're giving their introduction, all the other people that you figure, oh, gee, only seven, eight people, what, what's the chances of me getting a, a customer out of this group? Wrong. It's a wrong way of thinking. You really have to go in intentionally and look at these seven people all have a minimum of 100 resources. So now you have 700 people standing in front of you. Mm. That's what you tap wow. into. So mm. it's what you say that is going to extract the resources that really are going to do business with you. It may not be that person across from you. It could be who they know. So it's really up to you. How good can you present yourself? How well can you present yourself in that one minute? And you need to get more into the branding, into the core of what you're really about because you want to impress them. And when you can impress them with who you genuinely are, they're going to want to do business with you and they're going to refer other people to you. If it's going to sound like a canned recording all the time, you're going to sound like everybody else. And Phyllis, you and I, there's nobody like you and I. That's just the way it is. Everybody Mm -hmm. is unique. So if you allow that uniqueness to come through, and when I say you only have a minute, you better give it your best shot, people really start thinking about what they're going to say instead of just mimicking what they were going to say. And I love that they put thought into it. And that's really it's going to make you uh, give you the connections that way. Well, and also, you know, networking doesn't necessarily have to be about getting, you know, getting someone to be in business with you. It could actually be somebody that you you add as a resource that ultimately could help support your business. Oh, totally. The resources out there are limitless, and. Uh, I, I love our philosophy for E-Women Network of Give First Share Always. It very much matches my own mission in my own company and of, of how, you know, I like to really ignite the spirit in others, you know, so they can sort of their vision for success. That's my own mission. And if you think about others first and you give first share always and you're thinking about them, they feel that when you're talking to them. And mm-hmm. they're going to want to work with you and help you. But if it's a forced situation when it's all about you and, and you don't even want to listen to what they're saying, they, they pick up on that and that's what kind of divides it there. So, you, yes, you can tap into resources, but when you initially make that contact, I just want to impress everybody I meet with who I genuinely am. Nobody else is like me. And I want to meet them for who they genuinely are because I want to then introduce them to other people. So I really cut to the chase. I can be intimidating at times (laughs) because I I do get the core real fast. I guess I've been doing this so long. I thought, heck, why are we wasting 10 minutes? Let's just get to this right away. All right, this is what I do, this is what you do. All right, now let's let's really get to know each other, you know? 
Well, you know, I'm from New York, and that's how we do things up there, uh, us Yankees. You know, we get to it, we get to the core, and sometimes we might, people might look at us and say, "You're so unfriendly," but you know, we just there's no there's no BS with us. We just get right to it. Now, listen, we have to take a short break, Lori. When we come back, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about how you turn those connections into customers through networking. Just right after the short break. Most people know UPS. But did you know we offer expert advice and time-saving tools for startups? I have a big idea, and now I have big decisions to make. We can help you get there. Startups need all the help we can get. Talk with our experts and find technology that can help you automate tasks so you can do more, faster. To grow, I need help saving time and money. Have a one-on-one consultation with a specialist at no cost. And our shipping and tracking tools are free as well. I want to be more efficient and streamline operations. You can even sign up for UPS Smart Pickup, which will automatically notify a driver whenever you create a shipment online. Wow, so I can spend more time focusing on the big picture? You focus on your business while we take care of the logistics. Putting more energy toward my dreams? That would be huge. Get expert advice for your growing business. See how at ups.com slash startups. I love logistics. You're listening to Close Up with Phyllis Smith. Yes, and welcome back. We are talking to Lori Dvorak. She is the... uh, Executive Managing Director of eWomen Network Charlotte Trap Chapter. She's also 2010 Managing Director of the Year. And she is just the, she knows everything about networking because for the last seven years as the Exec and Managing Director of eWomen Network, she runs monthly events. So she knows what she's talking about. We've been talking about how important networking is to your business it's just an like wouldn't you say Lori? it's just you know if they were like the top five things that's definitely one of the five. Oh, absolutely and if you say you're good at it but you don't see any results from it then you're not really good at it <laughs> that's true so let's talk about how to get good at it. good at it means you're turning connections into customers so correct, how do you correct. do that how do you do that? What's what's the uh, what's the what's the best process for for turning those connections into customers through networking? Well, I usually tell people, you know, you're going to a networking event. Uh, I say before you step out of the car and you walk in, just sit there for a moment and be intentional. You have to create your intention before you walk in, because if you walk in saying, "Oh, I'm going to meet some great people today," you're just going to meet some great people, which is a wonderful thing, but you're just going to meet them. If I say, I'm going to walk out of here with four customers today, okay, now I've got a strong intention. And I am going to be seeking out and working harder because my goal is stronger, much more intentional. When, I'm di- when I have a dialogue with people like you and I meet at an event, Phyllis, I'm going to ask you some open-ended question because I want to find out more about you. And the open-ended means you're going to explain things a little bit more. I'm going to listen for what you need, and I'm going to try to match that. Or I know somebody that can help you. Um, Really listening, ask what they need, listen, provide connections to them first. Oh, I know somebody that you need to meet. Uh, Yeah, she has this. Do you have a pen or bag? Yeah, I've got her number right here. And then... Make sure you ask them for a specific connection. If you just say, well, sometime I hope you can help me out, that's not good enough to say, hey, do you, do you know of anybody who wants to build a million-dollar business? I've, I'm starting a mastermind next week, and 
gee, I, I have a couple more seats. And sometimes they'll say, uh, well, gee, I'm kind of interested. I'd like to mil- build a million-dollar business. And I find that if I ask that they know somebody, sometimes it's them. It's not being too direct towards them. It's kind of coming around them in a roundabout way. But then they offer that they're, they're interested. I usually will, within 10, 15 minutes of networking with people, will turn somebody over to want to meet with me, connect with me, coach with me, something, because of that approach. It's, it's very, very powerful when you are very intentional when you go to uh, any type of event. Yeah, and um, I know because you know, if you sit there and you say to yourself, well, you know, I'm just going to have a good time today, then, yeah, that's, that's nice, all well and good, but, but networking is a strategy. I mean, it's a, it's a marketing strategy, wouldn't you think? Don't you say? Oh, absolutely. And it is your opportunity to market yourself, but it isn't all about you either. So you do have to work at closing your mouth and just listening and really mm. show interest, not looking around for other people to meet, you know, really engage with conversation with the person you're with. Um, I I like to think that we are all networking to hopefully improve our bottom line. We, we do want to make money at this because I usually say, why did you invest three, four hours to be here if you don't want to get business from it? So um, I've got a couple of pointers for increasing your net worth if you want to hear that. Because yeah. I say yeah, network to increase your net worth. That's really what it's about. So you put your network in there, you increase your net worth because of it. Well, how do you uh, do Net that? worth, we all know. Well, I wish I knew the magic answer, but I'll give you some simple tips that seem to work for me. But I think it's, it's a combination of everything I've told you so far. Um, I like to look at people conducting um, business, not busyness. So you really have to be, again, intentional. Find out where it is that the people that you want to meet and I know a lot of people, they're busy all the time going to all these networking things. I'm saying, well, I ask, what are you getting out of that? What's your ROI? Well, what do you mean? Are you making any money? Oh, no, well, I'm making a lot of connections. No, you didn't answer my question. Mm. What is the ROI? So I sometimes, I say this to my clients and the people I work with, and I'll challenge the members in my chapter also. And I said, I want you to track your time. You know, if you go to like four different places one week, Track your time spent there, and then I want you to put at the end, what was the return on your investment? How much money did you make off of that? What connection led you to actual money back in your pocket? When you start tracking that way, you'll see where you are most productive, and then that's where you want to put more of your time in those. You want to put it where you're going to see more response. It isn't spreading yourself thin and going to all the networking that's going to work for you. It's really, again, working the net working the net of connections that you started. Don't give up on them. Start building relationships. And then look at the results you can track from that. That's how you increase your net worth. When I first did that, it was interesting because I met Sandra, well, it had to be Sandra Yancey about 12 years ago, and or 10 years ago when she was here in Charlotte. And I was going to all these other areas to network. And as soon as I got to um, that event, I was meeting my customers. And I said, this was so cool that I was meeting people who actually could work with me instead of my just meeting businesses. These are people who are in search of. And the connections started happening. And the networking rounds and the circles that we do at the events is just so perfected. It's just wonderful to do those. But it creates results. But you have to drive it towards results. So it's what you say that's going to make the difference. And uh, that's that's what increases net worth. 
And I keep hearing the word follow-up. You know, we just had yeah. our eWomen uh-huh. Network conference, and and uh, you know, it's you could it, it, if you meet someone and you feel like that you're in alignment with each other. You know how important is the follow-up? Isn't that that's that's the way to really increase increase your net worth is to follow up with that person? Oh, absolutely. And I use a little play on words there. You can either uh, follow up or follow up. So if you follow <laughs> you up, teacher, you, you're not friend. even going to contact anybody. You're you're not going to do anything, or you're going to make yeah. one phone call. They don't call you back. You drop them. You know, follow-up is a series of, of a plan that you continually connect with somebody. And I'm resilient. You know, if somebody, you know, finally says, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work out, and I'll say, okay, here, l- let me see if there's something I can do for you. And inevitably, I'll find some way to help them. They'll remember that. It comes back to me later on, and I don't worry about when or where. But you just don't slam a door on anybody for any reason. So that's what following up is about. So I like to follow up instead and um uh, good way to do that is, is just make a good practice of it. Set a time, you know, out. I usually tell people within 24 to 48 hours of our main event, you should make a contact of some kind with the people you just met. I often have them just sitting down right after the event. We call it kind of our afterglow, and I call it mm. afterglow. You better, you know, you better really get into it. And what happens is kind of funny. I have people, I tell the women to put contracts in their, in their purses and all that and bring them in, and they're signing contracts at the end of my event. I said, no, mm. that's really what you should do. While you're right in the excitement and the energy of the event, yeah. you're actually doing business. Mm, isn't that what you came here for? So, you know, like yeah. putting that little bit more aggressive in it to don't be afraid to ask for the sale. You know, just go right in there and do that. Another thing, and something I alluded to in the beginning about, you know, good old-fashioned one-on-one uh, at an at a, uh, eWomen Network conference uh, a year ago, Ken Cragen, uh, who is, uh, you know, he managed very managed the likes of uh, Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers and Olivia Newton-John. I mean, this guy just goes mm-hmm. to stuff, and he now is he's now a teacher, and um, and he helps people, uh, you know, in business. And one of his things he talks about the power of threes, and this is a great way to follow up. And one of the things that he says is send a card, a handwritten card to that person. Um, as opposed to an email, you know, so that they're actually getting something that's very personal from you and you don't realize the power of of that, you know, getting back to the basics. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's there's one thing that is so valuable to all of us that if you share that with somebody else, I mean, what else can you give? And that's the element of time. And if you can take the time for a phone call, if you can take the time to write a note. I did a training in Virginia for a big group in April. And the, the top four people that I had worked with, I wrote them all a handwritten thank you note and got that out the day I got back. And I thanked them for the opportunity because I had a great time and just working with them. And that's how you do it. Uh, yes, you can send the email and you can do all of that, but when it really is important, give that element of time. Take the time to do that. I still love doing phone calls. I'll, I'll call people. I've got something coming up uh, tomorrow. I have 40 people coming, and I, I called each, each and every one of them. And mm. if they weren't there, I left a message. And somebody said, well, why would you do that? Why don't you just confirm by email? And I said, because I was giving them the gift of my time. And one lady, we were on the phone for about 10, 20 minutes, and she said, I'm so sorry it took so much time for me. I said, no, I've enjoyed every minute of it. 
And mm. that's the impression we need to share with each other. Uh, it isn't no. how quickly we can get things out. It's what is the connection we can make with one person at a time. Now, you have a business of your own, and yet you're finding the time to call 40 people. How do you do that? <laughs> you, that I just make the time for that. I mean, I feel that when you, every day you prioritize. And the personal connections are top priority for me. And yes, you've got to do your paperwork and stuff. I usually do those after five when I know I'm not going to be reaching anybody. Uh, or, you know, I'll give it to my virtual assistant, you know, and she'll help me with that. But nobody makes my phone calls for me. Nobody does that. I do it. When I want to really reach out to people and they're going to be working one-on-one with me, they need to talk to me. And you, you can't substitute that. And they're so appreciative on the other end. And sometimes it's kind of funny, Phyllis. They're saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you took the time to call me. It's like they don't ever get a phone call anymore like yeah. that. I Everything is true. texted. I, and then mm-hmm. sent to them. And I said, gee, that's why we still have phones. We're supposed to use them. And yeah. uh, I will text and I'll do other things, but it, I think it really sends a message when it's important for you to reach that person and to let them feel important. You, you've got to do things like that. It's, um, it's critical. You know, the, and that's and, all part and, of the business. Yeah, and, and it is a culture that we certainly have at eWomen Network, but you can create that culture yourself if you adapt, if you ad- adapt to it. Um, there was a woman I met at the Women Network conference to the first time she ever came and, and I was asking her, I was, you know, videotaping some testimonials and, and she was one of them and I said, so, you know, what, what makes this special? Cause she was saying how special this is and, and how she, she said, one of the things is, is, you know, you go to these places, like if you go to, a, you know, a smaller event or a bigger event, you walk in, and I think most people have that initial, oh, my goodness, who am I going to talk to? You know, you get nervous, you know, whether you're shy or not. And this woman said, there was never a moment that someone didn't come over to me and and start talking to me. And um, But that's, that's the culture, but... Even if you're not in eWomen Network, if you, whatever you're involved in when you're meeting other people or you go into a room where there's a lot of people, man, woman, whatever it is, um, how, how do you, how do you get up that courage to just, you know, some people will wait for someone to come to them, which sounds like a big mistake to me. How do you get up the courage to just go over and start that conversation? Well, and, and I mentioned it before, and that's a really good point because I think the culture in eWomen Network is that way to be able to, with through our networking circles and stuff, that we really encourage that interaction. But you go to some other um, types of events that they wouldn't be necessarily for networking, but it, it is a networking opportunity. Um, I go back to, uh, I've shared this with many of my clients, even when they're getting ready to go on a an important uh you know, appointment with someone to hopefully then become their client. I said, sit in the car, don't look at your phone, don't listen to the radio, just sit there. And define what is your intention for this meeting. And really put yourself in that mode. And that intention is what's going to drive you when you walk in the door. It's a very powerful mindset. And mm-hmm. anybody who knows anything about mindset, when you set your mind to something, you can do it. And I'll go in there, and I will seek out, and I will look around the room, and I, it's kind of funny, I'm good at it. I can pick out the people I want to talk to right away. And it isn't mm. always the very aggressive, outspoken people. It can be a very shy person, maybe, who's off on their own. And I'll go over there and befriend them and just say, 
hey, can you uh, can you tell me a little bit more about this event? I've never been here before. And I just get them sharing things with me. And before you know it, um, they're introducing me to people. And uh, you, you just have yeah. to go with that intention. But it isn't so hard when you just make it one person at a time that you go up to. So even introverts can, can sneak into that, that pattern, right. you know. They don't have to worry about being in front of a big group. Yeah, and it's a good, you're right. Instead of going in saying, oh, look at all these, you know, all these people, let's just find that one person. And even if, even if it's at first that one person that one time, you never know how many connections you can make from that one person. And that probably should be your goal for that, that event. You know, start with one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now listen, we're going to take a break, but, and we're going to say so long to you. I say so long, not goodbye, because we'll be in touch again. And, um, coming up after this short break, we're going to talk with our new, one of our new EWN radio hosts, uh, Mona Lisa Como. And she's got a new show, uh, coming up, and we're going to tell you all about her and learn all about her. She is a very successful entrepreneur herself. And uh, she's going to, um, you know, tell us all kinds of things about herself and her show and who she is. And, and yeah, she's pretty fabulous. So, Lori, Lori Dvorak, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your wisdom today. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. I have a question to ask you. Do you have a message you're dying to tell the world? Have you always wanted to host your own radio show? Join our EWN Radio Network team and give your message the voice it deserves. For details, visit EWNRadioNetwork.com slash host. This is the EWN Radio Network. This is Close Up with your host, Phyllis Smith. And welcome back. Um, so excited to be joined by this amazing, amazing woman, Mona Lisa Como. Uh, she is a brand new EWN radio host, and uh, she has a show that will be on um, Fridays, live on Fridays at 12 noon central, and the show is called Power Lunch, and she's going to tell us a little bit about that. So, Mona Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm really excited about it. So, well, we're excited to have you. You have quite about uh, quite uh, quite um, amazing credentials um, behind you in terms of business. Um, so, just just before we go into your talk about your show, you know, tell us. You know, you started on Wall Street. What did you do there? And now you have your own business. So, just kind of take us, walk us through some of the highlights of your business career. Oh, thank you for that. And yes, I, I was blessed or either cursed to have started my career when uh, I was still just trying to pay for college back in the Bay Area in the mid-90s, early 90s, and had uh, joined with a company that I thought was amounted uh, to nothing at the time because it really was like 30 people holed up in a, somewhat of a garage of a warehouse building. And that was E-Trade, uh, known as the big, you know, they have the baby commercials. And so I joined E-Trade when it was less than 50 people back in 1994, before it was even on the Internet. Uh, we were on wow. CompuServe, and America Online wasn't even um, up and ready to go yet. And from there, I was very blessed. It was a pre-IPO, pre-public. Um, you know, the company was so small that we had, you know, a $100 
bills every single time that we were making a, a new trade volume, and it was great. So I, I stayed there for 14 years. Uh, and in the height of the housing market, after seeing many executives, and I had worked for many senior-level executives, I'd lived in Bermuda, I'd lived in Australia, I'd lived in London, um, decided to try to kind of take it down a notch and work for a really stable company. And so I decided to jump from an entrepreneurial company to join this behemoth of a company that everybody knew was great, and this was in 2008 in spring, and I jumped to a company by the name of AIG. Um, and so I joined AIG right before I literally had the worst luck. I, when I joined AIG, it was there was no no sense of what was going on in the world, and it, that it would hit the the turmoil that it did within six months. Um, I was fortunate because a lot of competitors had been uh, going after me for a significant amount of time. And when AIG was announced that it was taken over by uh, by the government, I, I had a lot of the recruiters calling me up that morning saying, will you take our offer? So, you know, being in the industry, I spent my last eight years at, at another Wall Street firm and then finally last year decided after 20 years, 19 years, but I'll round up, after sending my daughter to college, our, our oldest of five uh, went to college last year, you know, it was really inspired when you you have a child go to college and, and say, wow, if I could have done it again, would I be doing what I'm doing now? And uh, mm-hmm. that has catapulted me into starting up Interpowers Capital. I'm a co-founder uh, with my husband, and it is a commercial lending company that we hope to bring the same type of access to uh, the retail market that E-Trade had done back 20 years ago is giving access to the capital markets to commercial um, businesses, small, medium, and large, um, and we hope to be an extension of their company. So it's been a great ride, and then you know, throughout all of this, been very active in helping promote women uh, within the ranks. Uh, very, very passionate about seeing women, even in, in, in high school and in, in education, focusing on STEM. Um, type subjects so that they can move into these other sectors, but also just women uh, kind of moving their careers as well as women executives. And so this radio show is kind of a, a love and a passion of combining everything that I, I like helping women to do and then also just bringing that to the audience. So I'm really excited about this. Now, you didn't have it easy being a woman amongst many men um, in your days on Wall Street. So tell us a, you know, a little bit about those struggles that you went through. Yeah, and it was an interesting time. So, you know, if you think about early 90s, mid-90s, you know, in fairness, Goldman Sachs still had, you know, one of the biggest and oldest investment bankers in the U.S. or in the world. You know, they still, back in the early 90s, still had a requirement that women had to wear pantyhose. I mean, that's not even a word we say these days, pantyhose. (laughs) And so, you know, E-Trade was kind of on the cusp of that because we were one of the few Wall Street firms that was in California. But that still didn't change the fact that, women were not very well known in the business Um, and so it was a struggle so if there were women in the business they you know you kind of quite quiet about it Um, there wasn't a lot of women that were helping other women because usually you were more competitive with the others and so I um, was fortunate and blessed to have a number of executives that didn't see gender as an issue and always gave me an opportunity and since I was trying to move my career I didn't know it was a career at the time. At the time, it was just a job. I, I was blessed by a wonderful uh, woman uh, who was working in the ranks with me, just opening accounts, who had told me, listen, honey, if you can't go to school full-time, then treat your job as if it's a school because the the amount of knowledge that you can gain from a workplace to, to catapult your career and your future 
uh, it's priceless. And so I took that and then started to focus on my my job, which was you know working and in financial services as a career. And to your question earlier, it wasn't easy. You know, I was the first woman at my company to ever get pregnant, much like um, you know Marissa. I think it was uh, the the former Google executive Sue Wojcicki. She's the CEO of YouTube, and when she was with Google, she was the first woman to get pregnant and have a child there. So there was no HR policy when I was you know had my first child and was literally asked by my manager at the time, "How much time do you need off?" When I was going into the hospital, I said, I think I need more than a couple of days. He said, well, we'll give you three days and we'll see you back in a couple of days. And so I didn't file any complaints. I didn't even know there was an HR law that required me um, to even have maternity leave. And then moving forward with that, then it was, you know, when you work in a high-paced environment such as Wall Street, and I know a lot of female attorneys go through this and a lot of women in high-tech positions as well, you know, you got to run with the bulls. And so no one has time and no one wants to hear that you've got a sick child or no one wants to know that you can't make, you know, a company uh, meeting thanking all the employees for a Thanksgiving event because you actually have to attend your child's Thanksgiving event. And so I was, you know, fortunate enough to have a lot of strong family around me to kind of help be a surrogate to my children as I was trying to then you know, move my career forward, but it definitely didn't come without a lot of sacrifices to being a mom, you know, and having a relationship. And and I I just think it's blessed that there are women ahead of me that made more sacrifices, and I'm hoping my daughters as well as future generation women won't have to make the same amount of sacrifices I did. There were also, uh, you you have such a heartfelt story about your daughter when you when you sent her off and she told you that she's going to wait for a while before she has children mind you you've had five while you worked so and you were kind of surprised by that tell us about about that and and then um uh, and and then we'll go a little bit deeper in terms of the impact on in in education in the schools and how things need to change there as well oh yeah thank you and you know, so last year, as you had mentioned, I dropped my daughter off at school. She, you know, about Christmas, Thanksgiving, she'd called me up and we were talking about her career. And mind you, I had been working from before I was ever pregnant with her. So I had always been juggling with all of the children, career and family. Um, and never, ever, ever did it dawn on me that that would actually in a sense, backfire. But my daughter always knew we had an agreement, as well as with all my children. Mommy can't be there for everything. I can't volunteer with every event. But if you tell me which events, let's sit down and go together. What are the ones that mean the most to you? I will make it a priority and be there. So when she had talked to me around uh, the holidays last year, she said, you know, I'm, she's giving me her life plan, and she says, you know, and I'm thinking maybe about this time, which is probably when I'm going to be about 30, then I'll probably look to have family. And I said, well, hold on one second. You know, just jokingly, why would you ever wait so long to have family? And she said, well, no offense, Mom, I know you juggled both, but I would, you know, I don't, I have no plans on doing that because I don't, I don't want to have to go through the sacrifice. And I didn't understand when she said sacrifice. I said, well, honey, well, that's kind of weird because your mother, you know, I'm a big proponent of women can do it all. I give talks on it. I give speeches on it. You know, I'm blogging about it. Explain to me why you wouldn't think that you could do it all, have a, have a child and a family as well as your career. 
And then she opened up about something that was completely blew me away. You know, after 18 years, it's the first time I hear this. She said, you know, no offense, Mom, but you, you did do it all, but you didn't go through what we had to go through as your kids, and that's you know, everybody always felt bad for us. I said, well, why would they feel bad for you? And she said, well, you know, we were we were part of the kids, and it's not just me, but all the working kids' parents, they kind of like everybody feels bad for them. And I said, well, why would they feel bad for you? Is it because I couldn't be there? She said, well, no, yes and no, but, you know, it's kind of unfair because if Dad ever attended an event, everybody thought it was really great, but if you didn't attend all the events, you know, whether it was not joining me for a, a lunch or not reading books to the class and they're, you know, going across the classroom and saying which one of your moms can read and which mothers haven't volunteered for a field trip. You know, I was in that group of kids who everybody kind of looked at and old parents, whenever they'd come to the class, would always say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. So everybody had pity upon me and the other kids who came from working moms because our mom couldn't be there. And I know that you meant it well, but I just don't want my kids to have to go through that while I... I understood because you talked a lot to me about that. I don't know, you know, if my kids are going to be so understanding. And that that was by far the biggest kick in the gut, you know, that I yeah. had had as a mother because you you work so hard, you tell your children you can do everything. And then what I couldn't control was the environment. I couldn't control that people would convert what hard-working parents do and, and intentionally or not intentionally look upon children of working mothers, not working fathers, not working fathers, working mothers as as something to pity um, as opposed to celebrate. And that that's something that I'm passionate about and try to talk a lot of, to working moms and as well as stay-at-home moms because both my sisters are stay-at-home moms, trying to say, okay, you know, it, how do you approach this and do you do that and do you know the impact that that has on a child who thinks that their condition is condition or their situation is something to be pitied now you have four other children that are still young children in school so yes. are knowing that your daughter said that um what are is there something that you are going to do now to sort of, as a, you know, almost like, do you have a mission now to train yeah. those teachers and the other parents to embrace the working parent? How and what, what is your? How, how are you going to do that? Well, I don't have the answer. I'm still at the beginning part of it, so you know, <laughs> you know, this is, it could change as I see how this works out. But I, I, what I do now is I, I actually have the dialogue. I don't. I would say that as a working mom, you do go to events and you do know that you don't know all the other mothers and you don't know all the other parents that are extremely active, and that's because you're constantly on the road. And there's, I fit in that category of mothers that don't know everybody and know all the teachers by first name. And so what I try to do now is engage the teachers and, and bring up the story of my daughter and say, you know, it's important that when you talk to my kid as well as any of the other working parents that you don't view the situation situation is something that is a negative and while it's empathetic that you're doing or you're trying to be sympathetic it's still viewed as a problem right you're only mm. sympathetic with me because there's something wrong with me in 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 fact it should be celebrated that your mother is working just as well as it's celebrated that your mother could be here um and that doesn't work you know some teachers 
don't appreciate it at all. It's like, well, you mm-hmm. should just make a sacrifice and come to school more often. And, you know, my uh, my brother and uh, my sister-in-laws, they're um, educators, and so I get to talk to them quite a bit as well and say, you know, do you think you could work with more teachers and what would you do and how do you look at parents of, of working, children of working parents? So I think it's just a, you know, I hate to say it because it's a revolution, but I just think it's a national dialogue. I think both working mothers, teachers, and educators have to embrace the working mother, no different than they will embrace the working father who shows up for a Valentine's Day party. You know, a mother who works should be given just as much um, celebration for her sacrifices. And again, it's not better or worse, but it's not a bad thing, right? I'm mm-hmm. trying to take the stigma away from being the the mother who sacrificed. And, you know, I interviewed... Um, uh, one of the ho- guests that I'll have, and she she love her story. She says, you know, I don't I don't have any regrets. I don't see anything. You know, I was a working mom, and when I was there, I was there, and when I wasn't, I was focused on work, and that's how I balance things. And so that's what I'm hoping yeah. more and more women, especially working women, can just embrace it, and not shy away from it, and say, listen, I, what I'm doing is not a bad thing, so don't feel bad for me or my kids. Amen. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your show, Power Lunch, and uh, um, and uh, and some of the, uh, the women in your life uh, that you really admire and look up to. So stand by. We'll come right after this short break. Most people know UPS, but did you know we offer expert advice and time-saving tools for startups? I have a big idea, and now I have big decisions to make. We can help you get there. Startups need all the help we can get. Talk with our experts and find technology that can help you automate tasks so you can do more faster. To grow, I need help saving time and money. Have a one-on-one consultation with a specialist at no cost, and our shipping and tracking tools are free as well. I want to be more efficient and streamline operations. You can even sign up for UPS Smart Pickup, which will automatically notify a driver whenever you create a shipment online. Wow, so I can spend more time focusing on the big picture? You focus on your business while we take care of the logistics. Putting more energy toward my dreams? That would be huge. Get expert advice for your growing business. See how at ups.com slash startups. I love logistics. You're listening to Close Up with Phyllis Smith. Welcome back. Talking with Mona Lisa Como, who is a new EWN radio host. And uh, she has a show that's called Power Lunch that's going to air on Fridays, uh, live on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern. Of course, if you can't make it live, like for any of our EWN radio uh, network shows. You can always access access the shows online at ewnradionetwork.com. So, uh, Mona Lisa, so Power Lunch, tell us about what's it, what, what's your basic format uh, of the show? Yes, thank you. So Power Lunch was, was built on the premise of giving information to women uh, like myself, like you, who are just honestly just too damn busy. And there's a lot of data that's in there, but what we try to do is give you both commentary as well as, you know, women headliners. So whether it's Forbes 100 Most Powerful Women, which is usually the list that we take guidelines from, you know, whether the the most powerful in technology or in government or overall, we try to always bring those women to the forefront because they've earned that right to be highlighted and they don't normally get a lot of that in, in the news. 
And then it's also women who are making their own headlines. You know, I didn't, uh, we're probably not going to talk about it this week, but we'll probably talk about it in future segments. You know, it's simple things, whether it's um, Janet Yellen, who is the, the Fed chair, the first Fed chair, or Monet Davis, that wonderful young lady uh, that played in the, the World Series, um, the Youth World Series. And so there's a, gr- a lot of great content out there that I think can inspire women um, just to hear what they're doing, um, other executives and other entrepreneurs. And so that's the first 30 minutes of the show. The second 30 minutes is, is, is my goal is to always bring a woman who's making her own headlines. And whether these are women who are featured in Forbes or VentureBeat or they're featured in other publications or they've been interviewed before, we try to bring these successful stories so that you get to hear about what they've created or what they're executives of. And then we also want to bring to you their story because I do believe that no one story is going to fit my inspiration as well as my daughter's, but I think if you bring a a variety of different women and how they've been able to kind of get to where they are without the likes of LinkedIn that were there before them. You know, it's a different generation, but our generation didn't have the Sheryl Sandbergs that were touting the lean-in or had all of these women networking groups, and yet these are successful women in their own right. And so I want to, I want to feature these women because I think their stories are going to give nuggets of, of inspiration to our listeners out there. Now, I know you want to put a positive been or or you want to look for the positive news relating to women in business and um but there it's not always positive for example uh yeah so the the general the uh, ceo of of gm uh has been scrutinized for all the recalls and uh recently so you know what do you do with that i mean it can't all be positive but but you can also celebrate the fact that she's made it where as far as she did right Oh, I agree. You know, Marissa Mayer is going to be somebody we'll feature in this week's um, episode, and she continues to get um, the media scrutiny on her like no one's business. But, you know, GM, no one no one can compete with uh, the scrutiny that um, GM Mary Barra has had to withstand in the last, uh, this last several months, and not only uh, just by government officials as well as the families that were impacted, but also by, you know, women... Um, women congress congresswomen uh, and senators that i think took gender and made that an issue when they were speaking to her on the hill about their disappointment and so you're absolutely right not all of it is good news but we're going to bring it to light we're going to give our own commentary on it but i think what's to your point what's important is seeing how they're weathering that storm i mean carly fiorino if i had this job way back when in the show i would have loved to have interviewed her going through that process of you know getting the crap kicked out of her when she was CEO of Hewlett Packard and then having to have that media scrutiny of her and then even afterwards still having to undergo that. So to your point, it's not all positive news, but it's still newsworthy in my mind because there's a lot of women out there that don't just have positive things happening and they're executives that need to figure out how to deal with their own issues. And so we hope Mm -hmm. to focus on that as well. Yeah. Okay. So again, your show airs. Uh, it's Power Lunch on Fridays, twelve noon Eastern. That's when it's live. But you can always listen online at ewnradionetwork.com. So Mona Lisa, thank you so much. So glad for uh, for you to have joined our team at ewomenradionetwork.com. And looking forward and very excited about your your new show, Mona Lisa Como. Thanks, fellas. Have a great day. 
Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. I have a question to ask you. Do you have a message you're dying to tell the world? Have you always wanted to host your own radio show? Join our EWN Radio Network team and give your message the voice it deserves. For details, visit EWNRadioNetwork.com slash host. 